Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Café Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. For as long as human beings have been on Earth, we've been on the move. If you're a creationist, Adam and Eve were the first travelers when God told them to pack up their fig leaves and get out of the Garden of Eden. If you're an evolutionist, geological finds support the theory that early humans wandered far and wide across the continents in search of food. Today, millions of us are on the move, either for absolutely no reason other than our own amusement or desire to hang out with other people who have the same occupation as us. Amusing ourselves through travel or meeting up for business is a multi-billion dollar industry. Here in Acadiana, the person charged with making sure we get our share of those billions is Ben Berthelot. Since 2012, Ben has been the President and CEO of the Lafayette Visitors and Convention Commission. Ben, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much. Good to be here. If you're a tourist in Acadiana, unless you're coming for a music festival, you're probably not visiting for any specific reason. We don't have a spectacular national park like the Grand Canyon or a man-made attraction like Disney World. If you're a tourist here, you're probably coming to experience the food, music, ambience, or what we call daily life. One of the daily life attractions in Acadiana are our quaint small towns and the culture within them, like Eunice and its famous Liberty Theatre. The person responsible for both the theatre and the town is the Mayor of Eunice, Scott Fontenot. Scott, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hey, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Ben, taking a look at the projected plans for the Visitors and Conventions Commission, it looks like you're betting on the future on more conventions than visitors. There's a planned expansion to the convention center that's going to see it double in size by 2020. Along with that growth, you're going to need staff to market it to people outside Acadiana, staff to run large conventions when they come here, and probably other personnel and infrastructure growth as well. Businesses typically plan conventions one or two years in advance. So if we're going to hit the ground running in 2020, I'd imagine your marketing and organizational planning has already begun. How easy or difficult is it to make these adjustments so far out, especially in as much as convincing people who have to fund it? That's a very good, very good point, Eileen. Well, first, let me say that it's not going to be that we're going to drive more conventions than visitors. It, they both go hand in hand. So we'll continue to do everything that we do from a leisure standpoint, attracting people to come experience our great food, our music, and our culture. But you are correct in that one of our priorities, in fact, our, our top priority is a minimum 300-room full-service hotel at the Cajun Genome Convention Center and the doubling of the convention and what's the, the what's the reason people come to this area? Well, I think you nailed it. It's We don't have beaches and we don't have mountains. And so people are coming here for our food, our music, and our culture. And that's pretty much the big three. And, you know, they're, they're coming ultimately, I think, for our people. And it's one of the things we hear, you know, all the time is they'll come into our visitor center and say, I want to see a Cajun. Where can I see? Uh, where can I see a Cajun? And so basically just look around. And, and, and there They're you everywhere. Are. Yeah, that's right. yeah. So 
We understand why people come for visits. Why do they come for conventions? Well, actually, or why will they come for conventions? Yeah, and it's that's one of the main reasons why this project is our top priority because we're not necessarily a convention town right now because of our infrastructure. So people do come here for conventions because we're we're Lafayette Parish and Acadiana and, and they want to come experience everything that we have to offer. But from an infrastructure standpoint we have our challenges and the example that I always use and I know you guys probably go to conventions as well when I go to a convention I get off the airplane I get into a taxi or I get out of my car and I get to my destination and I if I don't want to, I never have to get back into my car because my hotel's there, my convention center's there, there are restaurants and all of those things that I need within walking distance. And that's one thing that we're lacking here in our area. So when you combine the project that we're talking about with the University Commons project, all of a sudden uh, it could be a game changer for our area. It, it would allow for that density. And it's also going to allow for us to go out there even larger conventions. So it's, uh, that's why it has the opportunity to be a, to be a game changer. Scott. Being mayor of a big city means being responsible for a big budget and a lot of people. But the mayor only has responsibilities within well-defined limits. Being mayor of Eunice comes with a far wider range of responsibility. Not only are you charged with maintaining the well-being of everyday life and defining the goals of growth for the city, but you also run the major tourist attraction in town, the Liberty Theatre. So you're in a unique position. Often the demands of a tourist economy are in opposition to the demands of residents. But in the case of Eunice, you're running both sides of the ledger. What's it like maintaining that balance and finding time for that wide range of duties? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of tough, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we don't have a big budget. You mentioned a big budget in a big city. We're a small city with a small budget. But, you know, um, it's, it's something that is a challenge because, uh, I guess, of personnel issues. And we just recently had hired someone to be the manager at the Liberty. And, um, they Wait, you just recently hired well, someone to be the manager? this was probably about a year ago. And, and until then? Uh, well, and then probably about four months ago, he left. Now, see, um, I guess the challenge of that would be to, how do we attract more people to the Liberty? Because we, we do have our locals that come and our regulars. And we do have a lot of people that come from all over the world. But it's how to get, uh, I guess, the younger generation to come because that's what I see when I go in there. I'm 35 years old. I'm the youngest person there by far, okay? So how do we attract these people here to adapt to what we're doing in our culture? I don't know. It's a challenge right now. I think people are dealing with that, not only in units, but, but in other places. Ben, you use a lot of social media in, right. in your job. Is that to deliberately reach out to younger tourists? Absolutely. Social media is a big piece of what we do, as is the content that we're putting out now. We're shifting so much to video, you know, one and a half to two minute videos. That's the way people are getting their information these days. And so not long ago, five or six years ago, maybe, maybe, yeah, five or six years ago, 95% of our advertising was done in print. And now that, that has shifted so much to where we're probably 40, 60 digital, uh, digital versus, versus print. We're still going to always do print because we have great relationships with, with journalists and those things. But, but definitely the wave of the future is, is the, the social media and the so digital. So would you tell Scott, video, yeah, and Instagram? That's, right. that's sort of one thing that I kind of brought to the table when I came in as mayor was, you know, uh, the social media part. We were rebuilding our website, uh, things and such that, you know, with the former mayors, I don't know if they had a much focus on that. Right. And then uh, it's really just starting to boom now, you know. So, and, and also in our case, you know, with the Liberty, you know, back in 
in the mid-80s when it first opened up and they were getting people to come and it was really packed house. Um, we didn't have the other places that are open that are doing the same things like right. us, you know, and which is good though. In our area, we have uh, Lakeview RV Park and Beach. I mean, they do a dance hall every Saturday night, you know, in the barn. They, and then, you know, you got DI's restaurant with Nyota or Rocky's Cajun Kitchen. I mean, they all have live bands. So it's, it's almost like you're competing, but you're not. You just want the people to come to your area. Right. I would love to see the numbers go up at the Liberty. But, um, you know, that's a challenge, and we were working on it. So, Scott, you mentioned your age at the beginning, and you were very young for a mayor. Yes. Um, you also wanted to be mayor at a very, very young age. Yeah. Tell me, what, what made you want to be mayor at what? How old were you? Well, I was in high school, and uh, believe it or not, my dad ran for mayor. This was back in 96. I was a freshman in high school. And uh, and you used to watch all the public meetings on the yeah, TV? Yeah, I would watch the public meetings, and, and, and I mean, it was interesting. And, and then we had, uh, we had a somewhat controversial group that was kind of entertaining to watch, so it made it more fun to go. And then they got to the point, I said, you know, I can do that, and I think I can make a difference in town. And um, I prayed about it, and I ended up running for city council and got on board, and I had aspirations to run for mayor in this next election coming up because that's when our mayor was going to, you know, turn him out. He didn't want to run anymore, and uh, unfortunately he got sick, and uh, he passed away, and uh, I ran for the position because I felt like it was my time to do it now, and, and I'm here, and, and I love it, and we, we're doing some good things. So. And was there opposition on your age or on the fact that you also run a business? Yeah, people were kind of knocking me because of my age, you know, 35. We never had a mayor, I think, less than 60 years old. Um, so when I got elected, I was 33, actually. And I had uh, three other people come and run against me, and they were all quality individuals, and, you know, I'm still friends with them today, but, you know, we were fortunate to to kind of go out in the first round and pull 70% of the vote, so it was good. That's great. That's a big number. It gives and me you confidence. You still run a business as yes. well as being mayor. I still have my business. I do have an individual who's running it for me. Um, I, I stop in every afternoon, and, and, I mean, right before I sat down, I had a call from there, and it is, I can juggle things. I'm a multitasker. It's not too bad. Ben, normally I encourage businesses to be proactive in their approach, but I have noticed that the Visitors Commission have been reactive lately in a beautiful way. So when a story hits the press, you often react to it in a beautiful way. And there was a story last year about Michigan finding crawfish. Right. Right. Um, can you tell us how you reacted? It was quite a big story around here. We were sharing it. We were laughing at the fact that, you know, crawfish, have, they, they consider them an invasive yeah. species and they didn't right. quite know what to do. What did you do when you heard about yeah. that story? Yeah, it's a, it's a great story. And, you know, it's funny you say reactive because in in a way, the, the, it was reactive, but it was also, in, in my mind, very proactive. It was a proactive we, reaction. It was a proactive <laughs> reaction. I, I love that. So th we started noticing on social media what had ha what was happening in Michigan, and uh, late late on a, on I think a Tuesday night. And instead I, of just putting your right, head on your desk and right, crying, you decided right, to do yeah, something yeah, about so it. Yeah. So I emailed my my communications team and said, "What do y'all think about going up to Michigan and doing some sort of PR stunt? Don't know what that looks like, but let's talk about it in the morning." So we got together the, the next morning to talk about it. And I gave them a budget, and they went to work. But the first thing we found out was that it was illegal to boil crawfish in Michigan. And so that was a challenge. But it, what, it, what it turned Hence out to be... Hence the etouffee. <laughs> exactly. So we changed, changed our model. We, we, we did an etouffee up there. But it ended up being such a positive thing. We reached out to the Department of Natural Resources in Michigan. And the biggest concern we had was that they wouldn't want us going up there, sort of making fun of their perceived invasive species problem but what it turned into was 
a partnership with the Department of Natural Resources where we, we were able to help them as an educational tool for their people to understand the crawfish and understand what it was doing to their ecosystem. And what so I loved most was they called them crayfish there, That's like right. they do in many parts right. of the world. So we, and so you invented Cray Day, exactly. which is wonderful. Exactly. So we turned it into a one-day festival. It was fabulous. Before we even left, we had so much media exposure that it paid. the trip paid for itself. Uh, it got picked up by the Associated Press, got picked up by Food & Wine magazine, and so it was definitely a, uh, a very successful promotion of our area. I also think it shows that typical Cajun, we're not going to take this seriously and get offended, we're going to deal with this with humor, right. and that says so much about the area, as yeah. well as what you did, how you did it. It yeah. says a lot about the it area. Does. It does. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Ben Berthelot, President and CEO of the Lafayette Visitors and Convention Commission, and Scott Fontenot, the Mayor of Eunice. We'll be right back after this very brief break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Ben Berthelot, President and CEO of the Lafayette Visitors and Convention Commission, and Scott Fontenot, the Mayor of Eunice. Ben and Scott, this is the part of show that we call another great idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got that great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for, or that guy you should have coffee with, or a great investment opportunity you should jump on. You can take advice like this and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have been really great. Or you can take the advice and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had that great idea for you? Did you take their advice? How did it turn out? Well, I mean, honestly, I really don't know. You know, I've had a lot of people that were uh, pretty positive uh, people that did an impact on my life I don't know if anything negative you know uh, other than when I was younger you know um, maybe hanging out with the wrong crowd or something. <laughs> no but uh, I don't know you know I've had a lot of positive influence um, from friends that, from back in high school to my grandparents to you know my dad I mean I just always wanted to do something big and um, be great at it and watching him run for mayor yeah he ran for mayor and he you know he didn't win mayor at that time and he was a fireman at the time and nobody really knew him and uh he ended up running for chief of police somebody said you know what you need to be in public office so he ran for chief and he went three terms and he ended up retiring as chief of police so um you know things like that you know it kind of encourages you that if you want to do something good you know, you just got to get out there and try it, you know, and, and do your best at it, you know. I actually have two pretty big ones, and the first one I think the mayor will appreciate. Well, when I was 27, I was working at Coca-Cola, and I loved my job, but one day uh, a guy named Joey Durrell, who was running for mayor, um, came to meet with me, and he, he wanted me to quit my job at Coca-Cola to go be his campaign manager. He said, if we win, then you got a job. If, if we lose, then, you know, you're kind of out of luck. So I was 27 and single. Um said, I'm going to go ahead and do this. So I quit my job at Coca-Cola to be his campaign manager. He won. So that was one of those forks in the road that I often look back on and say, you know, what, where would I be now if that, that hadn't happened? And it was a great experience for me. I, I worked for him for six years and then went on to be the director of community development in his administration. And so the second thing that happened to me, sort of this idea that you're talking about is my predecessor in my current job was retiring after 31 years. And one day right around his retirement he said Ben you know you would be really good at this and I, I had never really given it any thought and so had he not told me that I'm not sure I would have even applied for the job but 
his encouragement prompted me to apply for my current position. I ended up getting the job, and it's really been uh, a wonderful opportunity to promote our area, and uh, it, it's an incredible, incredible move that I made, and I'm, I'm loving it. So two, two big ones in my life, I would say. Ben, one of the other things that I know you do is that you coach basketball. I do. What lessons are there that you take from your job to basketball, and what lessons do you take from basketball to your job? Well, I mean, I, I just love, I love doing it. I've been doing it for 22 years. Uh, I think, you know, one thing hopefully that I take to both is, is the passion. And I know, I know I do that. I know I'm very passionate on the basketball uh, court, uh, and I, I think I like to think I'm passionate about, you know, selling tourism. Hopefully that shines through. So certainly the passion. My uh, my, my mom always said, if you uh, you know you'll never work a day of your life if you, if you love what you do and you're passionate about it. And so I'm sort of blessed is that I'm very passionate about my job, but I've always been passionate about sports and basketball, and I have the opportunity to really do both. You know, but obviously the, the whole team concept, uh, you know, applies within any job and, and, and uh, trying try to share your vision and getting people to, to get on board with that and execute your vision is very similar both in sports and in, and in the, work for, you know, the workforce as well. Do you, you coach youth basketball? I do. Or? I coach uh, this year at sixth grade Okay. at Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, I've, I kind of rotate between sixth, seventh, or eighth, but pretty cool. Yeah, I coach youth baseball, so yeah. I've been doing that. And I switched over to softball at one time my daughter was playing. Wait, but. so you coach baseball, run a business, and are mayor all at the same time? Yeah, actually, last year we had the all-star team. We came out here to Youngsville for the state tournament. Yeah. Uh, we made it pretty far, but we, we came up uh, two games short of going to Tampa, Florida. So what makes you do all that? It would be very easy to sit back and say, okay, I'm mayor now. Like, I'm going to keep my business running over and just pop in in the afternoons, but it would have been so easy to say no to all the other things. What makes you want to do those things as well? Well, you know, when I was younger, my mom and dad divorced. So, you know, um, at the time, I was living with my mom and my dad. I'd see him every other weekend or so. So, But, you know, when baseball season came around, I met some awesome coaches. And, and along the years, I've had some of my friends' dads that kind of just motivated me and showing me that, hey, you know, they have kids out there who may need uh, some guidance in their life. Because at the time, you know, uh, especially when a child goes through a divorce, you kind of want to wild out a little bit. And, you know, that's what I was doing. Not nothing bad. I mean, I was, you know, like 10, 12 years old, you know. So uh, so I started coaching ball when I was uh, 18. I coached my nephew and, and ended up, uh, his dad passed away at a young age. So I just kept coaching him. And then when I had kids, I started coaching them. So... Uh, and I'm still doing it now. Um, my daughter, she's in high school, so I don't coach her anymore. My son, he's 12, and this will probably be one of the last years that I'm going to coach him, but I'm going to continue to coach. I have some friends that have sons coming up, and I'll offer to help them. I, I just love it. I yeah. like to build kids up. You know what's neat is that um, when, you, when you work with kids, um, and if, if, you, if you have a positive experience uh, with them and their parents perceive you to have a po positive experience, it opens up a lot of opportunities. Uh, and I'm sure that helps in your in your career that, you know, um, by being around those kids and, and their parents, and they obviously liked you because they, they, they elected you the mayor of Eunice. But I, I actually got my first job at Coca-Cola because I coached two of my players. Um, one of them, his dad was the, the CEO at Coca-Cola, and the other one, his dad was second in command. And so we're at the end of the year party after our basketball season, and they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for a job. And so they said, come see me on Monday morning. And that's how I got my first job. But I mean, I've coached, 
uh, Randy Haney's son, who's Randy's a well-known lobbyist. Our current mayor, Joel Robodeau, I coach his son. So it, it's a great networking opportunity, if you, you know, uh, and I'm sure you've experienced that as well. And it keeps you in touch with really what's going on rather than watching the tourism and the communities from the outside. It keeps you very, very much involved. So if you're interviewing someone and they, they coach, are you immediately, are those are things you're looking for in an interview to see that they're already giving back to the community? It's a quality trait, you know, especially if somebody who, who gives their time to do something like that. Because coaching is more than just, you know, the basics of, uh, you know, plays or, or whatnot. But it's more like uh, of building people and relationships and tell them that to be part of a team is is great, you know. And that's Yeah. I mean, same for me. It's uh, not just coaching, but that, that that's obviously a, a great indicator. But if they're involved in other things, because – when you're involved in other things, you're developing skills that you may never get in, in whatever current position that you have. And so that's always a big thing for me is are they involved in the community? You know, have they coached? Are they involved with the 705 or United Way or, or other organizations? It's, it's a big thing for me because, I mean, <clears throat> I know when I talk to the high school kids, I always tell them the worst thing you can do is – come to school every day, leave at 2.45, and don't get involved in anything because you're you're missing out on so many opportunities. Scott, if I had a magic wand, is there an idea you have for the Liberty Theatre that that you, you would like to do? What would you change? Well, you know, believe it or not, there's a lot of people from units who's actually never been in the place, okay? And, and this might be mind-boggling to you because it's such a historic building and people from all over the world know it. Um, if anyone from Eunice is listening, please go to the yeah, Liberty Theatre. Right. And you see, that's that's where I kind of want to go with it. I want to open it up more than just on Saturday nights for the uh, Rendezvous occasion show. You know, I want to I want to do other things in there um, just to get people to know what we have, what kind of gym we it's have. It's one right of there. those places that if you announced it was closing, everyone would be distraught and say they loved it, but they're not yeah, going now. It's true, and um, it, it's such a historical place. I mean, I live right down the road from it. I live on the same street as it, to be honest with you, in the same street as City Hall, okay? So I pass by it every day, and my business is downtown, too. Right. So, you know, I, I see it, and I love it. Um, but a lot of people, they, they pass by, and they see the beautiful building, but they've never been inside, which kind of, I don't know, it makes me scratch my head sometimes, you know? But for Mardi Gras, you know, you'll go in. The, the big, big shows, you know, um, like Steve Riley were producing some shows recently. And we were packing the house, over 500 people in there. But the majority of the people I didn't even recognize in there. Okay, and I know everybody in town. I mean, I can't go to Walmart without taking an hour just to go right. get a Coke or something. <laughs> I can imagine that. But, yeah, I would like to see I would like to see more people in the building. And, you know, right next door we, we have the uh, Prairie Cajun uh, Culture Center, the Jean Lafitte. You know, it's a national park. And uh, when you pass by on Saturdays and when you see the cars parked in front, it's all different license plates from all over. I mean, they had a guy from Minnesota going the wrong way down the boulevard the other day. So, <laughs> and I was like, I see the car, and it's Saturday. I'm like, okay, he's probably from somewhere else. They turn in front of me in Minnesota. So. <laughs> Maybe we need to change the, ch the phrase, charity begins at home, to tourism begins yeah, at home. Right, and we need does. to look out and appreciate what we have it's on our true, doorstep. It's true. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a whole staycation concept. So we're yes. trying to, I, I hate I, that I don't word. know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a challenge, though. You know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's just a, it's a challenge that we're facing, and I think everybody else is facing. How do you keep people here? 
you know, because when we think of vacation, we want to go to the beach or anywhere. But there's so many things right here in our area. I mean, put it, I've never been in this restaurant in my life. And I've eaten at all kinds of places. Life. It's beautiful, and isn't I it? And I feel ashamed to say that because right. I'm like, okay, I might come here tonight with my wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good ambiance for sure. Well, you know, your, uh, your Walmart story reminds me of, I have a friend who's a politician in, in St. Martin Parish. I'm not going to name his name and give him trouble, but I always see him shopping in Lafayette. I said, what you doing in Lafayette? He said, I can't go shopping yeah. in St. Martin Parish because I, I never get anything done. People are coming, they want me to fix their man. potholes. And, so I, you might want to consider that. I'm just... <laughs> I shop in town, man. I got you. As I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, in many cities, there's often a built-in tension between residents and tourists. At best, it can be a love-hate relationship. At worst, tourism swamps, swamps a location so that whatever was once original attractive about it to locals is lost. Here in Acadiana we seem to have that balance about right. We're not overrun with visitors but we have a significant number of them. It will be interesting to see how this balance might change over the next few years as a result of the planned growth in Lafayette and in Eunice. Ben and Scott, your decisions and actions over the next few years are going to affect almost all of us in Lafayette and Eunice. So it's been great to get an insight into what you're thinking and planning. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Ben Berthelot, President and CEO of the Lafayette Visitors and Convention Commission, and Scott Fontenot, Mayor of Eunice, Louisiana. You can find out more about Ben's Lafayette and Scott's Eunice by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Today's show is engineered by Blake Longlinay. Our researcher is Anne Christian. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and krvs 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Cafe Vermilionville for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur, Nice Guy, is written by Mitchell Foreman and performed by Mitchell Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana and Dustin Ortego from The Opportunity Machine. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from the Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Cali's Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.